0: The title of my message this morning is we need to put our passion in its place. Say it one more time. We need to, as Christ followers, as those who are living the way God has called us to do, advancing his kingdom, we need to be a people who know how to put our passion in its place. There is a place I believe that God gave us enthusiasm and he gave us energy and he gave us emotions that 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 help lead us and drive us in our life. But I also believe that it's important that that we use those wisely and we put them in places um, that are going to bear good fruit. And so I hope that by the time we're done having a discussion in God's word this morning, I hope that we understand that we have these passions, we have these emotions, but we got to put them in their proper place. And so I encourage you this morning, get out your Bible, get out a notepad. Let's not just kind of get through this, but like, let's really receive what God would say this morning, because it's not coming from me. God is anointing my words. God is using his word. And so let's really write down and and absorb what God would have us learn this morning. So I read an article this week that came from MLive and it said that there was a study done among social media and uh, the state of Michigan came in number one for social media tweets or posts or Facebook engagements, uh, we came in number one as expressing the most anxiety and depression and uh, just frustrated uh, posts or thoughts or whatever you would say. But essentially, Michigan came in number one as the most anxious, depressed. I can tell you as a pastor uh, this week and even in previous weeks, I've been really dealing with people who are having heavy issues, just heavy um, seasons. That they're in through this, and and so there's this reality that this anxiety, this depression, this heaviness is real. And so what are we called to do as Christians? Like, how do we walk through that? What do we do in this time? How do we lead our brothers and sisters in this? And I thought about it like this. Uh, You look at the, the abuse. I mean, we see the abuse rates are up. We see domestic abuse and alcohol abuse and drug abuse. All of this data is showing that all of this stuff is up because of what is going on. And so how are we handling this? What are we doing as Christ followers? And I would just wonder if again, God, I've used this example before, but I wonder, God is looking down like, all right, my children, the heir of my kingdom, they're, they're, they're down there and, and, and all of this is happening. And it's not surprising God, all of this is happening. And God is looking down like, all right, I'm going to see how my children are leading in this. Let's see what they're doing. I know all this other anxiety is up. Depression is up and abuse. All this is happening around in the communities. How are my people handling this? And they're looking down like, oh, They're like fighting about masks or no masks, barbershops open or not open, nail salons open, not open. They're using all the time to like fight about this and argue about that and make points about this. And I'm not saying that we we shouldn't care and have stands about things, but if that's the only place we're putting our passion, if we're not finding ways to come around those who are struggling with addiction, who are struggling with abuse, who are struggling with anxiety and depressions, if all we're putting our passions into is masks and barbershops and nail salons and the grocery stores we got to go to. Every time I tune into sports radio, another guy calls in and says, I can't even live without sports if we don't resume sports. Are you kidding me? God is looking down being like, what are my? How are they advancing the kid Oh, sports? We can't live if we don't get our sports back. Come on. I just imagine God looking down and being like, come on, we can do so much better. We got to put our passions in the right place. And so my point number one is this today, is our passions have to be rooted in God. Our passions, every day when we wake up and our our feet hit the floor, whether you go to work or you're still not able to work, whatever your situation is, we got to go, okay, God, every passion, every energy, every emphasis that I put into anything today needs to be rooted in God. And if it's not rooted in God, then I'm not going to participate in it. So point number one, as we're putting our passion in its place, is is this rooted in godliness? Is this rooted in something that's going to advance the kingdom of God? Is it going to spread the gospel? Is it going to push the good news into our communities? Are you with me today? It's a good spot to say amen. Help me preach this sermon today. But the the question is, is, is what we're doing rooted in God or is it or is it as a? Is it a misaligned frustration? Is it a misaligned passion? And now we've let it be an anger or a bitterness or a frustration. We have got to let our passions, they must be rooted in God. They have to be rooted in God. Deuteronomy chapter six, verse five says this, you shall love the Lord, your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all of your strength. All your heart, all your soul, all your strength is how we should love our God. That's all encompassing. Notice that statement there, the the scripture's trying to get us to see, hey, uh, I'm covering all corners. Like you don't have a scapegoat opportunity. Like it doesn't say, well, but if this is happening, then we can back down on it. No, in all ways, in all places, with all passions, we're called to love God with all of our strength, be about what God is about. And so I looked up the definition of love in this, and it says this, the definition of love in this verse is this, a strong affection for another arising out of kinship, or personal ties. Our love for God needs to be a strong affection for him arising out of kinship or a personal tie that we have to him. If God is just our spare tire, that all we do is pull out when we're in trouble, then it's not love. It's saying a personal tie, a strong affection for another that comes out of a kinship. The word kinship here is a sharing of characteristics or origins. Our characteristics, our kinship, our characteristics needs to come from these origins that are tied into God. Our characteristics need to be tied into God's. The origins of how we're doing and being need to be all tied into God. I know those are all big words and big things to think about, but literally what we do and how we do it, our passions need to come from the origins of God in our kinship, our connection or our personal ties to him. It says this often based on admiration or common interests. Can we move the word interest and put passion in there saying that our relationship to God, our love for God, because we're loving God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our strength, all of our passion, it's coming from an admiration that we have for him or our common passions. See, our passions and our admirations and the things that we're drawn to in our days are not things of the world. It's not the things that everybody else is concerned with and pressured by. Ours come from the kingdom of God in his way, in his lordship. And so our love for him is all about what he's about in the way that he's leading us. We're called to be different as this series is going to unfold for us. I thought about it like this, our interests or concerns of the world, the interests or concerns of the world, let me say it to you like this, they shouldn't influence us. We should have great care for what's going on in the world. We should be very thoughtful about all of the things that are taking place around us, but we don't let them influence us. They can't get on the inside of us. They, they can't change the way that we think because what we think is renewed by God not the things that are happening around us. So we have great concern for all the things of the world, but we don't let them influence us or lead us. Why? Because we're different. We're called to be different because we have God on the inside of us. We're we're filled with the Holy Spirit. We can do and say and be different because of the advantage that we have of God. I thought about it like this. Mark chapter 11, verse 24, I'm going to kind of paraphrase because the word that I like here uh, is desire, and it comes from the King James version of this scripture, and it's the ye and the yow and all that kind of stuff, and so I'm going to kind of paraphrase it for you, Uh, but it says this in Mark chapter 11, verse 24, it says, whatsoever things you desire have passion for genuinely from the inside care about whatsoever things you desire when you pray believe that you have received them and they are yours scripture saying we we can't just have like a like a casual interest we can't like flirt with the things of God like oh that would be nice the things of God no we got to desire them They have to be above everything else. We have to live differently, meaning that our mind is on the things that are heavenly instead of the things that are of the earth. We're different and we're called to have the passions of God. And so whatsoever things you desire when you pray, whatsoever things you have great passion for when you pray, believe. Believing is, again, it's having a desire and a passion and a belief that you have received them and they are yours. We've got to put these passions and these desires and these energies in the right place. We can't just, whatever the wind blows, that's what we care about. We hear the wrong thing on the news and we get all flustered over here. And then that's what we believe. And that's what we have desire for. And that's what, no, we've got to stay firm in our passions, in our desires, in our prayers about these things. Because the scripture says that's the only way that we receive what we pray for. If we pray with desire and belief and passion and being firm in him and who he is and what he said, can I get an amen? It takes great passion for us to walk in the things that God has called us to walk in. Again, you can't just flirt with and casually and wouldn't it be nice type relationship with God. No, we've we've got to make him Lord of our lives, king of kings above all of it. So I put it down like this. Point number two, passion for God is a discipline, not a destination. It is something that we journey through and we walk with God in not something that we just magically arrive to. It's something that God is walking with us. Even in the beginning, you see in Genesis, what does it say? It says, in the cool of the day, God was with Adam and Eve. What on this? He was he was on this discipline and this growing and this living in this relationship. Uh, Acts chapter one, verse three, again, another King James version with a lot of things that I'm going to kind of paraphrase for you, but it says this about Jesus life. Some of you have heard me preach this before. It's actually, if I had to pick a top five of all the sermons I've ever preached, which is in the hundreds, maybe even thousands. But, uh, for me, this one is one of my favorite sermons of all time. Uh, and it comes from this verse Acts chapter one, verse three. It says this after his passion, speaking of Jesus, after his passion, he showed himself alive with many infallible proofs or one says, uh, perfect proofs meaning you couldn't argue these proofs, unfallible, perfect proofs. But the scripture says it came after his passion. I mean, you know, the, the movie uh, Passion of the Christ is called the Passion of the Christ because the cross, going to the cross and, and this message of the gospel, redeeming his people was his passion. His cross, his journey to the cross was his, it was his passion. So this, this going to the cross on our behalf is his passion. It says, after his passion, He showed himself alive with many infallible proofs, or you could say perfect power. Let me say it to you like this, after his passion, power. Can I tell you, it's the same thing in our life. After passion, after we've trusted God and walked with God with great passion and pursued him with desire, it gives God opportunity to step in and honor that with great power, honor that with supernatural breakthrough after our passion. It didn't say, oh, after he spent enough time on earth, after he went to enough church services, then God finally decided, no, it was with great passion and great desire and great ability to, to walk through even the sufferings of life. Because Jesus, how many of you know, he, his passion was suffering on the cross for us. Even after all of that, then power could come in. He showed himself alive. Resurrection power. The greatest display of power in human history took place after his passion passion is the difference between winners and losers. They say all the time that there's two equal sports teams. Oh, on paper, these two teams are equal and they have the same amount of talent and ability and coaching and, and all these skill sets are the same. But at the end of the day, and you see these teams going back and forth, back and forth. And at the end of the day, you'll hear commentators say, well, one team just wanted it more than the other. Or you're here, an athlete who played in that game, they'll give talk of it years later. And they say, they just wanted it more than we did. Passion was the difference between the winner and the loser. Great desire. Can I tell you, there's a lot of groups out there in the world that want their agendas pushed further than the church is trying to. They got more passion for the thing they believe in. They're willing to take more stands. They're willing to preach more, share more. Are you with me? Agenda more than I fear that the church is even willing to do. We can't let it be said about us that, Oh, those groups and those agendas and those things have more passion than the church, which the scripture promised us that the gates of hell will not prevail. Like we got the cheat code. We're different. We have God working and moving and promising that we can't fail. How much more so should we be leading with passion and love and great desire in this world? Can I get an amen? I've been watching this documentary and I know you all are going to wait for the punchline and there's not going to be a punchline. Uh, but I've been watching this documentary on the Chicago Bulls, uh, one of the greatest basketball teams to ever assemble in the NBA. And uh, it's been on ESPN. I think there's 10 episodes. I haven't caught them all yet. Uh, but it's this documentary about all that went into to make this team great. And so Michael Jordan gives commentary, one of the greatest basketball players to, to ever play. And at the time uh, when all of this was filmed and when it was happening, the Chicago Bulls had the greatest win total to ever happen in an NBA season. So they won the most games that had ever been won before. Uh, by an NBA team. It, it actually got broke by the Golden State Warriors just a few years ago. Uh, but at its time, when this was being filmed, it was the greatest accomplishment by a team ever. And uh, the one thing that's been so interesting to me in this documentary is, um, is how Michael Jordan and some of his other uh, coach, Phil Jackson, a Hall of Fame coach, Scotty Pippen is a Hall of Fame basketball player who was on that team, and uh, Dennis Rodman, and then one of the greatest um, sort of GMs and people who put teams together, his name is Jerry Krause, Uh, Through this documentary, you hear the mindsets of all of these different people. You hear the passions of all of these different people that basically put together or brought about the greatest team that was ever built. And so the, the GM has his passions for what he tried to build and what he thought and uh, Scotty Pippen and Michael Jordan and Phil Jackson, they all have their passions and how they all came together. But the one thing that I found so interesting was it didn't even really come down to talent talented teams came and went up against the Chicago Bulls teams. There was the Pistons and there was the Knicks and there was the Trailblazers. There was all these. And you heard about the Phoenix Suns and Charles Barkley, all these great talented teams made its way to them. But what separated the Chicago Bulls from any of these other teams was this ability to have just the most passion, the ability to refuse to lose, the ability to say we will not accept defeat. Our passion, no matter what, will be greater than anybody else who comes up against us. And Michael Jordan made this statement to kind of explain how this happened, how they became so great, how they were able to overcome the Chicago Bulls to this day are the only team to ever win three championships in a row and they, they actually did it twice. Uh, they won three in a row once and then there was a little time where Michael Jordan took a break to play baseball and then he came back and won three more championships. It's never been done before and I believe that he kind of sums it all up in the statement that he gave and he said this, Michael Jordan said, greatness lies in the pursuit of it. Greatness lies in the pursuit of it. What does that mean? It means you can't just take talent and put it together and say, we have it. We're going to win because it's here. It's just shown up. No, it's the journey. It's the pursuit of the greatness. It's the forming, the molding. It's the effort. It's the mindset. It's the passion all along the way that gets you to the greatness. I just wonder if the church and Christians say, I've prayed a prayer and the gates of hell won't prevail against us. Therefore, we've arrived. We're just at greatness because we've prayed a prayer and we've done a thing. But we don't let God shape us and mold us in in the pursuit of what God has for us. We've just thrown out the window. MJ saying greatness lies in the pursuit of it the discipleship of it the molding the 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 passion that comes along the way so that's why my point number two there was passion for God is a discipline not a destination there is this pursuit I wrote it down like this it's not when God delivers us from this it's while he's delivering us from this We all say, oh, someday when God does this and we love the word breakthrough and when we do this. No, it's keeping our passion while he is. Let me say it to you again. It's not when God delivers us from this. It's while he's delivering us from this. It's the pursuit of it. The passion. It's the journey, the discipling, the molding, the shaping that God is doing. Are you with me? I put it to you like this. It's in the pursuit of the greatness of God that you find the greatness of God. Again, we keep just waiting for Easter Sunday sermon to come and inspire us about how God is great again. No, he wants to mold us and shape us and move us and grow us in our passions in all places of our life. It's not just the NBA finals of God, we just arrive and we win. No, it's in the process of, of our passions and our desires, in the inner workings because we're different. God's called us to be different. Can I get an amen? It's not a destination, it's a discipline. That's why we're called disciples. We're being discipled, we're being grown in our passions and our moldings. And so it matters. Proof of passion is in the pursuit. One of the ways that you can tell you're passionate about something is, are you pursuing it? I've given you this example before. Uh, if, if I were to say, hey, I want to learn to play the guitar and I'm telling everybody, oh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm going to play the guitar. Just like we say, I'm a Christian. I want to change the world. You say, I want to play a guitar. I want to play the guitar. Someone might come to me and say, well, have you bought a guitar? No. Well, are you taking lessons? No. Have you looked into taking lessons? No. But I'm going to be a guitar player. How many of you know I'm not going to be a guitar player because I haven't taken any steps? I I haven't shown any passion. Proof of passion is in the pursuit of something. We can't say, oh, I want to transform my community. I want to see fire fall on my life. I want to see God do the best. All right. Have you cracked your Bible? Have you made it to all the studies and have you put yourself in community? Do you got wise counsel in your life? Are you taking all the steps that you need to be what God's called you to be your prayer life that God has equipped you with your ability to worship? We got all these great freedoms that we can still do. Are we putting those things in our life? Can I get amen today? Proof of passion is in the pursuit of it. What do you want your life to look like and put that passion in its place because we're called to be different so we can make a difference. And then the problem is, you know, we look at other people. Well, they look at them. They're they're successful. Look at them. It comes easy to them. Can I just tell you something? Most people who have found success probably aren't even the best person in the room. Let me say it to you like this. Uh, Many people that I know have found great success. Do you know they probably weren't the most educated in the room? They probably weren't the the, the most talented in the room. What they were was the most passionate. I know as as I choose people in my leadership opportunities and as I've been chosen for leadership opportunities, I wasn't the most educated. I wasn't the most successful. I wasn't the most talented, but I was the most passionate. Or you may have known somebody who was the most passionate. Why? Because when you put passion in its place, power follows. And I'm just trying to tell us that as Christians, we've got to put passion in the right place so that we can make a difference in the right things. Can I get an amen this morning? But the problem is we get frustrated. And if I can be really real with you as a pastor this morning, I'm, I'm a little concerned. Uh, with where not just our church, but but church in America is kind of finding itself in this crisis. You know, we used to get up and, and get our kids ready and everybody would come to church and you'd have about this three-hour process of get up, get ready, drive, go to an hour and a half church service, go pick up your kids, go home. You know, you'd have about this three-hour thing and we're starting to see nationally and in our church as well, we're starting to already see the drop of people's passion uh, in becoming disinterested in even engaging in this online experience. Uh, and it's only 50 minutes. We used to take three hours and now we have about this 50 minute, one hour experience that's taking place. And some people aren't even making that priority anymore. We used to take three hours on a Sunday morning and now we're getting disinterested. Now, listen, I'm the first person to be like, I don't want to watch a video. I don't want to watch church video. I, I want to be together. I want to do, you know, do this in real life. So I'm, I'm hand up like, this is awful, right? Like nobody loves this, but we can't say, Oh, we're going to let our passion dwindle. Cause I'm not a Facebook video person. I'm not a YouTube church person. Therefore I'm now going to do nothing. Can you, can you receive that this morning? We got to keep our passions up. We, we, we get so frustrated. We say, oh, you know, uh, I, I don't want to watch online or I don't want to do this. And, and you got Wednesday nights, the, the women with uh, Jess and V, they're putting out this great study. We got to keep our passion kindled. That's why the scripture warned us for times like this. Don't grow weary in well-doing. Don't grow weary in it because if you don't give up, you're going to receive harvest. Scripture tells us we're going to receive our reward. So I'm just kind of challenging this morning. Keep your passion up. Can I get some hearts and amens and all that? Encourage one another. We got to stay up on this. We got to join these videos we're putting out. Not because the church is trying to entertain you. It's because we're, we're trying to keep our passion in the right place. And so let's make sure we're doing those things. We go like this. We say, oh, God your kingdom come your earth your your will be done on earth as in heaven right we're praying that god your kingdom come i want to see you transform my community but then we like give god a schedule oh but but you know not around bedtime because i gotta get the kids to bed and i can't get up early you know it's like your kingdom come your will be done but like here's when i'm gonna need you to do that god because i got my passions in all these other places Your kingdom come, your will be done. I want to see you move in my life. But if you could keep it in this box, that would be better because my passions are in all of these other things. Can I get an amen this morning? And this is true about my life. We're all looking at like, okay, God, I want all of you. I want everything that you have for me. And by by doing that, it's saying, okay, God, my passions have got to be in the right place. I hear people say to me all the time. Where is God in all of this? Where is God in all of this? And I just wonder if God is like, you know, hey, um, I can only work with what you're giving me. And you're just giving me this little bit of area to move. You're just giving me this little bit of time, this little bit of thing. But I also notice you're really still involved in Netflix. You're really consuming all of the sludge of social media. You're still making room for all of that stuff. God, where are you in all of this? He's like, well, I'm, I'm kind of in that little box that you put me in. And so that's where our passions have got to expand for God, God in this season, what can you do to grow me and mold me and create me into this person that you've called us to be? I put it like this, too many people miss their calling because they settle for opportunity. Too many people miss their callings because they're settling for opportunity God has this great thing for you that he's called you to and equipped you for. You were created on purpose for a purpose. You got this great calling. And then the enemy distracts you with an opportunity and you go, Oh, look at that. That opportunity looks so God's got this great calling. He's called you to stay passionate about and firm in and following him. And in the minute, a little blip of opportunity comes up, we go running over to it because maybe it's going to get us a bigger applause Maybe it's gonna get us a few more accolades or we're gonna be noticed. Uh, I put it down like this. Maybe we take the opportunity over sticking with the assignment because it looks easier. Or maybe it's easier because it has less accountability involved in it. And so we go, oh, instead of all of this wise counsel and accountability, I'm going to quit and I'm going to walk away from all of that just because this little opportunity over here looks easy and there's less accountability. Therefore, I feel more comfortable. How many are with me? We need our passions to be committed and centered in God and with wise counsel and people and passionate. Why? So that our callings aren't thrown out just because of opportunities. Uh, So many times in my life, I see people come in and they say, God's called me to start this and he's assigned me to do this. And they get all passionate about this thing. And the minute it gets hard and the minute there becomes a trial or the minute it becomes that that other little opportunity, you know, they're 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 kind of like squirrel and then they're just they're off. And then they off into the wilderness is usually the problem. They're into the uh, no. Anyway, they're off. They're gone. They're in this wilderness experience and then just like the children, they're just circling and circling and they're wasting years. Why? Because their passion wasn't put in the right place. They put it in convenience or opportunity or what looked easy and what looked fun. And now they're off in the wilderness and they're missing their calling and it's unfortunate. And so that's why my challenge to you today is in this moment, our passions have got to be in the right place. I put it like this point. Number three passion for God is unstoppable. I got four points. So hang with me today. This is the third one of four, but passion for God is unstoppable. Passion doesn't stay bound. The passion of God can't be buried. It can't be put in a tomb. It can't be sealed. How many you know the passions of God are unstoppable. When Jesus was resurrected, he took his grave clothes off. Why? Because the things of the past, the things that once tried to keep passion bound, the things that were once another, they can't stay on us anymore because passion produces power and it creates resurrection in our life. So I don't know what's become dead in your life or become bound in your life or become wrapped in grave clothes. I'm telling you, if you can put your passion in the right place, those grave clothes can come off today. You can be unwrapped and in, in walking in resurrection power when we put all of our passion into the things of God and following him. I thought about this. Jesus is taking off these grave clothes because he's saying my body doesn't belong wrapped up. My body doesn't belong bound and kept down. It, it belongs free and expressive in walking in power neither does our church the body of christ the church doesn't belong bound up what do you mean when you say bound up what i'm saying is bound up in the hearts of our past you're walking in resurrection power. Take those grave clothes of your past off. Well, maybe you have this bitterness or this jealousy or this competitiveness or Christians are judging one another. This one does this and that one does this. And, and I don't think we should be watching that. I don't think you should be reading this. I don't think you should, and we're all bound up and ineffective. The church is looking like this because we've wrapped each other up in so many judgments. Come on, somebody wish you were here so I could preach this. We get so wrapped up in stupidity and then the world comes along with a great need and we're all like, can't help. Look at, we've wrapped each other up in stupidity. I'm telling you, we've got to take the grave clothes off. We've got to get our passions in the right place so we can be what we're called to be and walk in the resurrection power. We're called the walking. Can I get an amen this morning? And so even Lazarus, Jesus walks up to Lazarus and says, loose that man. He doesn't belong bound up and dead and wrapped up. Get him out of there. We got passions and enthusiasms and things we need to walk in. Can I get him in today? Because we're called to be free and walking in power. We're called to be different and full of passion. This incredible uh, story of the woman with the issue of blood in Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5, you see the woman with the issue of blood, and Jesus is walking into town, and she believes he's the healer, he's the Messiah, and there's crowds all around him. And she has every excuse to not walk out to him with passion. She has every logical, reasonable, accepted by society... Reason to hold back and to keep her passion to herself and not pursue him for her healing. For 12 years, she's tried everything possible to get healed from this issue of blood. And instead she says, no, I know he's the Messiah. I know that he's healer. And her great passion causes her to press through the crowd and touch the hem of his garment and receive her healing. Why? Because there's great power that is released when we walk in passion. But she had to press through the crowd, just like what Michael Jordan was saying. The the process of of, of walking to him is is where God was beginning to do the healing. As he saw her passion and her belief and her desire to, to just hold firm in the things of God, as she walked that out healing was beginning to take place i believe before she even touched the hem of her garment why because power follows passion and she was passionate enough to 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 put away the things of the earth and put away the things of the world and say i want all of god the scripture says she touches the hem of his garment and she's healed what's interesting about this story is jesus turns and goes who touched me all these people, the crowds are pressing. The disciples say to him, Jesus, what are you talking about? All these people are touching you. All these people are bumping you. He said, no, somebody touched me with what? Passion. Someone touched me with passion. There's some of you right now. You are so stuck and frustrated and you have depression and anxiety and you have all these fears. And for years, for some of you, it's recent because of the virus. For some of you, it's years of it. You've had all of these things binding you up. You have got to get yourself into a place where you're pursuing God with such passion. You say, well, I'm busy with this and I got all these other things. Or Find a way to get into his word and get into worship and grow in all the things that we offer why because when you pursue God with passion power is released and God will break you through that so Jesus stops he's like who touched me who t-? well everybody's touching you no 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 somebody touched me with passion and i don't care how long it's been on your life i don't care how many obstacles like her for 12 years she suffered with this jesus will recognize when you t- reach out to him with a passion When you reach out with him, like the scripture says, when you love him with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, when you pray with desire and believe it, God's gonna take notice of that. And power, the scripture said, left his body and it healed her. Hold on, somebody touched me with a passion and with a belief and therefore power left my body and changed the atmosphere. That's the power of passion and going after God. I thought about Elijah. We know that Elijah, the prophet, does all these amazing miracles. Uh, we, we see all the different things that he did. And then Elisha, so Elijah's taken up in this fiery tornado, uh, but he says to Elisha, hey, you can have a double portion. You ask me what you want. He says, I would like a double portion of all that you have done. So a double portion of all that you have done. But the scripture says that Elisha dies one miracle short of all of the miracles of Elijah. So he goes up in a fiery furnace, or a fiery tornado, this really cool thing. He dies one miracle short, but the scripture goes on to teach us this that there was a war that had t- taken place. And where Elisha was buried in this sort of cave tomb type thing, his bones are in there with the passion, his bones are in there with the passion of a double portion, a passion of the double miracle, his bones, his dead bones. Are in this cave tomb thing with a passion. And so the scripture says there's this war taking place and a dead soldier gets tossed into the same thing and his body touches the bones of Elisha. And the scripture says, the soldier comes back to life. Why? Because God honors passion. Even when things look dead. Are you with me today? The bones of Elisha Still brought about the double portion. Why? Because God honors His word and God honors passion. Can I get an amen? I don't know what looks dead to you today. I don't know what you feel like, oh, that's dead and it's in a cave and it's never coming back. If you have passion and you have belief and you pray with desire, God can resurrect some things. Can I get an amen? That's why Jacob said this I will not stop. He wrestled with God. Jacob's wrestling with God. He said, I have so much passion that I will not stop. Until you bless me. And then guess what he got? A blessing. Why? Because God could look down and see what you're desiring and you're loving me with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. You're not just whipping in the wind and letting the news lead you and neighbors lead you and people lead you and social media lead you. No, you're somebody who's rooted in pursuing me until you're blessed. And so God blesses them. I will not quit. I will not give up until you bless me. I put it down like this We cannot allow our need for God to be bigger than our passion for Him. We cannot allow our needs, got all these needs. Oh, I got all these needs, 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 needs. I got all these problems, 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 all these things that we need of God. We can't not let those be bigger than our passion for him. And I know that, that we need God all the time. And, and, and we, like the scripture says, we move and we live and we have our being in God. But I'm saying like, if, if all we're doing is saying, okay, I need God now because of this and because of this and because of this. And when He handles these things, then I'll go back to just doing things my own way. But I need Him now because of these needs. No, we need Him always. And our passions for Him and our things for Him are always needing to be greater than the way that we need Him in our life. I hope that makes sense to you. But our needs can never be greater than our passions. Our pursuing, our love for Him is everything. That's why Matthew chapter five says this blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the ones whose passions are in the right place because they're hungering and they're thirsting for righteousness for all of him above anything else that they could be hungry for. I need this need met and I want this and I want that. No, I'm hungering and I'm thirsting. My passions are for God and his righteousness Those are the type of people that get filled. Those are the type of people that God puts his power on when he sees our passion. And then my last point is this point. Number four, passion for God requires sacrifice. Passion for God requires sacrifice. Jesus taught us this. The scripture said after his passion, his passion was the cross. His passion was what he did for us. His passion was his suffering. If you read that scripture, it says, some, many of the translations say, after his suffering. So many times God uses crosses in our life to bring about power. That's why the scripture says we must decrease so he can increase. What are the cross things in our life that need to bring about power? What are the things we need to sacrifice with passion so that God can put power in our lives? After his sacrifice, the mirac- miraculous begin to open even more power. And I know he did the miraculous before the cross, but I'm saying he, he, he broke it open for all of us to be able to receive salvation and have eternity with him. And so after his sacrifice, the miraculous. And so for you, what are, what are the areas? What are maybe the cross things? What are the maybe suffering moments that you need to say, God, I need to decrease here so that I can have more of you there? Are there friendships that you need to just let go? Are there some habits that you need to let go? Are there some things that need to be put on the cross in your life so that you can experience God's power? You've made excuses for it. You've had specific reasons for it. But God is saying in this season, I want your passions in all the right places so that I can put my power on your life. My encouragement to you is this. All of our passions in God put in God is the best way to live. We may chase the next car, the next house, the next thing, and we think those are going to fulfill. None of those fulfill like what this scripture just said. When we hunger and thirst for his righteousness, he'll fill us. And that is the best thing you can have in your life. Can I get an amen? I'm going to pray for you here in just a minute but if this sermon was was good for you if this if you're some man there was some truths in there go ahead and hit share now maybe put a text in there or when we when we go offline here you can share it and put a post but get this out to your friends the one thing we're learning as a church is that many many people are searching in this time Is this the end times? Is this how it's going to be forever? Is the government going to control me? Who's in control? I think we need to get words out that say God is in control and he's leading us to live different lives because again, we're in this world, but we're not of it and God is on the throne. He's King of Kings. Amen. So let me pray for you. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for your way, the way that you're leading us, prompting us, guiding us. God, I pray that you help us put our passions in the right place. God, we want them in the things of God and in your kingdom. I know that you're leading us and inspiring us. Lord, I just pray for every person, uh, Lord, who, who's going to be making sacrifices uh, like you did, Christ, where you, through your suffering, you made great sacrifice. But it brought about power. Lord, I thank you we're going to do that in our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, right on, before you take off, I wanna let you know a couple cool things we have happening as a church. And uh, one is, if you haven't heard, uh, our Vertical Ladies team is leading uh, on Wednesday nights with a cool thing called um, Wednesday Nights with Jess and V. And so they're taking a different um, woman of the Bible and just kind of teaching about them, just letting you know some of their attributes and some of the the ways that they could lead us. And so check that out Wednesday nights. If you're not in our Vertical Ladies group, uh, go ahead and check out that group. You can share it with your friends. Get it all out there. It's an open group. We'd love to be able to minister that way. So don't miss that on Wednesday nights. And then also hand-to-hand is still happening. Be praying for our outreach center as we're feeding families and meeting the needs of kids. Uh, You can make donations online, uh, our verticalstory.com. Click on generosity. You can give in the drop-down menu to -to hand-to-hand. So thank you for that. And then you can also give your tithe that way. Uh, Verticalstory.com, click on generosity. You can give there, or you can mail it directly to the church. So if you just send a financial donation right to the church address. We'll be able to uh, get that and and use that as well. So thank you for your faithfulness and generosity. And then also wanna let you know, we're still praying every Monday through Friday. Uh, We join with Radiant Church out of Kalamazoo. We post that on our uh, social media page. So right on Facebook, uh, you'll join us for prayer and worship um, and just have that out in the house or however you can listen. That's every Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. We'd love to have you praying with us. Much love.